0: هاوند وش مياند قداش شماك تيثي ملكوثاك نهوي صغياناك اي كند وش مياند فرق هولان لحما سلقاند يومانا وشوق لان بحوبين وحطاهاين اي كند آفحنا مشفقان عياوين لا تعلم سيونا Let me catch you up. That was the Lord's Prayer. We've been through the last five weeks going through the Lord's Prayer. So that was the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic with subtitles, as Matt helpfully pointed out. And we have been doing this series on how to pray. You know, how do we get good at prayer? Most of us know how to pray, dear God, please. But actually, God wants us to go beyond that. God wants us to have a life where we are close to him, where we know his presence, where we go deep in our spiritual life. And when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he said, actually, there is a how to pray. It isn't just do whatever comes naturally. That, that is a great thing, but it's a starting point. How you pray is like this, and he gives them a kind of template prayer. So the Lord's Prayer isn't supposed to be just recited, um, although that's not a bad thing. But what it is, it's it's little, a kind of uh, rhyming way of understanding how to engage with the different levels of prayer. Now, there's a, there's a secret to the Lord's Prayer. There's a dirty, hidden, Secret that they don't want you to know. Theologians, preachers don't want you to know this secret about the Lord's Prayer. Bible teachers and the religious structures and institutions, they don't want you to know this dirty secret about the Lord's Prayer. But I'm going to tell you the secret of the Lord's Prayer. You ready? Here's the secret. You don't sound very... You're just so used to me hyping things up. Yeah, I'm not going to ruin it for you. It's not really dirty, but it is something that most of us don't know, and that is this, wait for it, wait for it. Where we pray the Lord's Prayer, and we go through it, and then we end up with, For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That, the secret is, Jesus didn't say that. That's not part of the Lord's Prayer. So in the passage that we read in Matthew, in most translations, that bit is not in. It's added, we believe, hundreds of years later by the church because it's a good thing to have. And it was part of the early church's practice that when we pray the prayer, we're starting off with God and then we're ending up with God. But actually, if you look at the way that Jesus gives us the prayer, uh, you don't need to put that last bit in. That's not a part of the kind of disciplines of prayer that Jesus wants us to develop and to learn and get good at. But actually the whole way that the prayer works, it's kind of, it starts off in their heavenly realms. So we start off, it says, our father in heaven, hallowed. Be your name so you're literally in heaven we talked in the first session about how we spend time in adoration so that is adoration we're focusing in on god his goodness his character we're looking to connect with heaven the spiritual realm where god is and so we start off in the heavenlies and then we pray your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in other words we're drawing down from heaven we're connecting to heaven and connecting to earth making the two come together that is intercession And then we move from intercession where we've brought heaven down to earth. We move down to ground level concerns. Give us this day our daily bread. That is petition. So we've moved from God in heaven through to God's heavenly will being done on earth. Through to what I need in earth. My bills, my everyday expenses, uh, the needs that I have. Physical, emotional, um, relational. But then we go down into the kind of the depths and the weeds. It's. Forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors or forgive us our sins. Now, this is confession. And we've pulled down from the very heights of heaven now to the depths of where I am hurting and broken. The things that I regret, the things that I want God to deal with and have mercy with me for. And then with this final one, it ends even lower. We go down to the very pit of hell itself and deliver us from, uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. And this whole area, this is warfare. And so Jesus is saying, what I want you to do is I want you to become practised, in praying the different disciplines, to be people that adore God, that have a, a connection with your Father who sees in secret, to be able to intercede for the needs of others, and then to pray, petition for your own need, to be confessing the stuff. But we go right down to this kind of end where it ends with the evil one. And I've always wondered, why did Jesus start with God, God's in heaven, and then he ends with the evil one? It doesn't feel right that the evil one Should have the last word. But Jesus is saying this is so, so important. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. You don't have to put your hands up. Uh, Try this one at home. How many of you regularly pray the prayer, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil? How many of you regularly, on a regular basis when you pray, how often do you pray about the evil one? How often do you pray about being delivered from temptation? how often do you pray about being able to break free this thing it's like a kind of a hostage rescue it's like a prison break it's about jesus saying there is an evil one and we need to talk about that but god wants to deliver you so this is god's help my hunch is that most of us don't pray this prayer that often if you get into trouble you'll start praying god get me out of this trouble but Jesus is saying, I want you just as much as you're praying for the will of God, just as much as you're worshipping and adoring God and you're recognising him as father, just as much as you do all the other things, I want you to be praying consistently, regularly, intentionally about the evil one, about temptation. Now, there's something in this passage which is, again, it's shocking and it's concerning and It's confusing. Something that I have had a problem with, and maybe the reason that I don't pray this prayer so much is because I don't understand it. If you don't understand something, you're not going to engage with it. And this is the problem that I have. It says this, and lead us not into temptation. But the thing is, as far as I understand what the Bible says, the Bible says that God doesn't tempt us. James chapter one. James was the brother of Jesus. He says this. He says, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So what's going on? Why are we asked to pray God don't lead us into temptation if God doesn't tempt anyone? Let's do a little show of hands play along at home as well. How many of you here put your hands up? How many of you think That God does not lead us into temptation. Hands up. God doesn't lead us into temptation. Okay. Tentative hands. How many of you put your hands up if you think God does lead us into temptation? Kate's put her hand up. Because we talked about this before. But she's just about the only person in the room. Okay. Answer me the question. If you put your hand up and you said that God does not lead us into temptation, why would you pray God don't lead me into temptation? Why? And if you have that in your back pocket, that God doesn't lead us into temptation, why even bother with this prayer? What do you do with that? How do you understand that? In answer to the question, does God lead us into, the t- into temptation? The answer is actually yes and no. Does that make sense? <laughs> we're going to get a little bit theological if you are uh, not used to faith maybe you've been brought along by a friend maybe you're curious maybe you're wanting to explore faith and you're thinking to yourself right now oh my goodness what did i just walk into i mean it was a little bit intense but it was beautiful with the worship but now we're talking about evil one we're talking about temptation this all kind of kicked off everything got really out of hand really really quickly Listen, all we're talking about is we're talking about being real about the kinds of lives that we have to lead and the issues and the problems that we have to face. And if Jesus leads us and encourages us to pray a certain way, we really need to know what's going on. And so the key thing is you've got to understand why. What I'm going to try to do in these next couple of minutes is explain why we pray this prayer. And if you get it, this will be a prayer that you will pray. This will literally revolutionize your prayer life. If you're someone that prays and if you're someone that's wanting to develop in your prayer life, you're going to pick this up and suddenly you'll find out why do it and you begin to run with it. Let me explain as well as I can. This word temptation, uh, the word temptation is uh, sometimes translated in the Bible as testing. So, It's the same word. If you see testing and if you see temptation, they're the same word. In fact, they're they're summed up by another word, which is also translated sometimes uh, with this Greek word. And that is just, they're trials. They're all types of trials, temptation and testing. So here's the thing. And this is what, this is the best that I can do for you. God does not tempt you, but he does test you. God will not lead you into temptation, but he will lead you into a place where you will face temptation from time to time. Satan, the enemy, the evil one, will tempt you. He will tempt you to despair. He will tempt you to self-sabotage. He will tempt you a whole host of ways. We live in a world that's saturated with seductive messages And when we talk about temptation, we're not just talking about, oh, I shouldn't have that cake. We're talking about something that appeals to the worst parts of our base nature. So here's the thing. God will test you. Everyone say, God will test you. you. Satan will tempt you. Here's the difference. God will test you, hoping that you will pass. God will test you, wanting you to pass, calling you to something higher. Satan will tempt you, hoping that you will fail to drag you down, to bring you down, to wreck the image of God in your life. And the Bible says that God does test us. Now, again, if you're following on, then you might think, well, why does God test us? Is that some kind of passive aggressive thing? I'm married to Kate, as you know, and uh, I don't want to out her, but she sometimes tests me. And what she does is she'll say, hey, Philip, do you want to do this? And I'll be like, yeah, I do. Oh, wait, wait, it's a test, isn't it? You know, like it'll be something where she's deliberately disadvantaging herself and she's inviting me to do that. And I'll be about to say this and then, because I've been married 28 years, I'll say, ah, 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 it's a test. I know this is a test. But it's a kind of, it's almost like a sliding where she's trying to catch me out. I don't know why she does it, but she does. Now, is God like that? Is God trying to trip us up? Is he trying to test us? Or is he just being a bit passive aggressive? Is he not really saying what he thinks? Is he leading us up the garden path? No, God tests us legitimately. Why? Draw in. God tests you because there's certain things that you can only get by being tested. There's some good stuff that God can get into your life by testing you. Two things. First of all, let's look at this passage from Deuteronomy. So Deuteronomy, Moses is doing a kind of debrief of the people of Israel, the time they've been through the wilderness. And he says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and everyone say it, test you in order to know what was in your heart whether or not you would keep his commands. And you said, but God is all powerful. God understands all things. God is the one who is, he's got his finger on all the dials. Doesn't he already know what's in my heart? No, he doesn't. Because no one knows what's in your heart until it manifests itself. You're a free agent, you have free will. God hasn't pre-programmed you. But God will test you because he wants to know what is inside you. What is going to be revealed by this test? Second thing, back to James again, same passage. James says this, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials, same word, of many kinds, because you know that the testing, again, same root word, of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So what does testing do to us? Two things. One, it shows and two, it grows. So what testing does is it shows your character. Character is revealed under pressure, right? When you are in difficulty, when you are challenged, that's when we get to see what you're made of. I would honestly say that uh, as a church, I believe that we have been, and I think to a certain extent we still are, in a time of testing. We're in a wilderness time. I would say that last year, 2022, was the hardest year in Metro's long and storied history, seven years, but it was still the hardest year. I thought we were being tested in the pandemic. Ah, I was wrong. It wasn't testing, it was a crisis. It wasn't a wilderness experience, it was a crisis. It was an emergency. And we did really, really well in that. What we have found ourselves in is going from a crisis into a wilderness testing period. Why? Because God wants to know what's inside of our hearts. God wants to know whether we're in this church because it's a great vibe, because of the momentum that we have, because of the place where we meet. I'll burn that one down. Because, uh, (laughs) uh, you know, please don't quote me on the insurance. But because God wants to know how will we react? Are we in it because it's just a fantastic place to be and everyone's in it and and there's a a great kind of sense of, this is the place to be? Or are we in it because of the mission that God has called us to? Am I in this as a leader just because it's so great and everything's going so well and we've never done anything but grow, 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 grow and see wonderful things all the time? When God allows you to come into a wilderness experience, oh my goodness, suddenly what's in our heart? Is revealed and we have to wrestle with how do we react what is inside what are we really truly made of are we in here for the mission or are we in here because it feels good but not only does it show but it grows so when you're tested it reveals who you are and then it grows you in that direction if you're tempted it can show what you are negatively and then it can drag you down further in that direction There's always testing to reveal character. Testing will always show up a person's love, the depth of the love that they have. When I first married Kate, I was absolutely giddy. I could not believe that I was the luckiest man on God's green earth. She was just my absolute dream woman and I could not be happier being married to her. And it was easy being married to Kate In the early years, it's easy because she's so beautiful, because her father's a famous celebrity, because she comes from wealth and privilege, because she sings really great. And uh, who wouldn't love her? But am I loving her? Am I loving the things about her? So fast forward three years into our marriage, we have a little baby. This little baby, she's like, she's probably about, I don't know, it was maybe three months old at the time. And I just remember life was so, so hard. Testing, trial, difficulty. And I remember the worst, the lowest point of our marriage. Well, it's arguable. There's so many things to choose from. But one of the, up to that point, the lowest point of our marriage, uh, we're having this meal. And Zoe's asleep in her little baby seat on the floor. We're at the dining table talking. Talking, we are. Very, very much bitterly fighting and words are being exchanged. And I found at this certain point, I felt so angry and I felt so furious. I picked up my glass and I threw it, smashed it on the floor. And it, it, I didn't mean to do it. It was just this kind of, I could not control myself. I, I lost, I never lose my temper. I'm a, a chill guy. I'm a wonderful person. I lost my temper. I smashed this glass. Glass is all over. Zoe wakes up. She starts crying. Kate looks at me and she says, great. Look what you've done. Are you happy now? I get up and I walk out the house. I've got my church office key, I go into the church office, it's not in Bristol, don't worry, don't be, and also trigger warning. Uh, But I went into the church office where we lived in Surrey, and I suddenly realised, now I know who I am. It's shown who I am. It was easy to love when times were good, it was easy to love when it was all benefit. But it turns out that I'm not just this kind of, hey, I'm a romantic guy. I leave flowers underneath your windscreen, wiper on your car. Uh, I do the nice things, you know. It turns out that I am full of anger. I'm a heartbeat away from domestic violence. I threw the glass on the floor to stop me doing something worse. I just had to get this rage out of me. And I'm like, I... Didn't think this was in me. I didn't think I was that person. I, and I had a test, and I, pa- I didn't pass. <laughs> fail! <laughs> you fail! And it grew me in the direction of an angry, bitter, unforgiving, violent man but thank God I had another test straight after that. The test was in the church office conference room, sleeping on the sofa, tossing and turning, till about three in the morning and just couldn't get any peace. But all I was thinking is, I'm gonna divorce this woman, um, in words to that effect. I, am, I don't wanna live with her, she's awful. She is horrendous, I am gonna divorce her. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, but wrestling through it, I'm being tested And then actually coming to a point where I I came and I I got out of the room and I walked, sorry, hon. uh, I walked back to the house. And as I'm walking back, I'm saying to myself, I will stay in the marriage. I will love her, whether I like it or not. And I will be utterly, completely, totally, incontrovertibly miserable. But I'll only have to do this for about 50 years, then I can die and get the whole thing over with. (laughs) And that is literally what I felt. That's literally what I said. I climb back into the, the bedroom and I say, should we talk? Kate says, no, I don't want to talk to you. But we talk. And then I am... Shown to be a person who is faithful no matter what. I proved to myself and to my wife, no matter how bad it gets, I'm not going anywhere. I'm sticking with you through thick or through thin. I'm in this marriage whether it makes me happy or whether it makes me miserable. I'm in this marriage whether you're nice to me or whether you're awful to me or whatever's going on. I'm I'm in it. I'm in. And suddenly, I know this about myself. I am a faithful man. And as I go back and we work things through, I become more like that faithful man. I grow in the direction of the test that I have just passed. And so Jesus will allow us to be tested. But here's the thing. The second part of the verse, it says, uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So we're saying to God, you know, you have to test us from time to time. I understand that, but I'm asking you, it'd be nice, could we just not do this right now? Could you not lead me into temptation? Because I feel like I need deliverance right now from the evil one. The thing is that when God allows us to be tested in those wilderness times, and by the way, church, I think we've done well in the wilderness. I, I, I think we've done Well, it's been bruising, but I think we've done well. But when God tests you in these wilderness times, it's to reveal who you are and to grow you in the direction of what he's calling you to be. Uh, And it's always a precursor to to a new beginning and and to some blessing and the promised land, literally. But Satan, on the other hand, when he tempts you, he's trying to pervert and destroy and deface the purposes of God in your life. And when Jesus says, deliver us from the evil one, present tense something that is ongoing not something that is in the future not something that is hypothetical something that is happening right now in other words jesus is saying you need to ask for god's help and his deliverance every day every day there is temptation around you you are in spiritual warfare peter the disciple he says this he says be alert And of sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. In other words, Peter and the scripture writers are saying we are always in the thick of a spiritual battle. I was thinking about this and I, I thought about Pirates of the Caribbean and what I really wanted to do was I wanted to make a meme. I, I didn't know how to make a meme or even what a meme is. But the idea, if someone could make this for me, uh, help Sam, our new Instagram uh, guru, round of applause for Sam. But can someone make me a meme? And it would be Pirates of the Caribbean and it would be Captain Barbossa. Barbosa, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Captain Barbosa, and he's reaching out a bony hand uh, and he says, uh, best start believing in ghost stories, Miss Turner. You're in one. And I feel like the the meme that I would like is best start believing in spiritual battles, church. You're in one. Every day, Satan is trying to drag you down. He is trying to put stuff in your path to detract you, to disrupt you, to um, derail your faith. Always the easy options, always the kind of, the, the thing where I rely on myself instead of walking by faith in what God has called me to do. That your enemy, like a roaring lion, he prowls, he's looking to devour people. I'm always in the teeth of spiritual warfare. The problem with most of us is we don't recognize it. We're not aware of it. We just walk blithely into it. And what we do is we collude with the enemy's attempts to tempt us, whether that's tempting us to despair, whether that's tempting us to self-reliance, or whether that's tempting us into sin. It's always wanting to drag us down into the very worst of who we are. But God's testing is always to pull us higher to his calling in Christ. We cannot be ignorant. We cannot be unaware of the spiritual reality. C.S. Lewis, the guy that wrote the Narnia uh, stories, he a great theologian, but he says this. He says, there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. And our job as the people of God is to be making decisions in line with what God wants for us and to be resisting the devil. Resist the devil, resist the devil, resist the devil. There are certain things, there are certain thought patterns, habits, ways of behavior that are just ingrained in you. And you kind of made peace with them. It's like, well, this is this is who I am and I don't judge me and I don't, you know, I, I don't have high expectations. We live It's really weird because we live in a culture that says, don't shame me. But you never had a more shame on a culture than the culture that we're living in right now. A culture that can literally cancel people, that can try and silence people, a culture that is very, very strong on what you're allowed to say, what you're not allowed to say, what you're allowed to think, what you're not allowed to think. But uh, the enemy will always try and bring us into a kind of lifestyle where it doesn't matter, it's okay, give yourself, uh, get yourself off the hook. It doesn't really matter. But actually, Jesus is saying, you just need to be aware that you are walking in the path of a roaring lion. And so ask for God's help. Deliver us, deliver us, deliver us from evil. The great news is that God wants to deliver you from your brokenness. God loves you. He's for you. And not only that, but he has the resources of heaven at his disposal for you. And so if you have entrenched patterns of thought, maybe you're always negative about yourself, maybe you find it difficult, maybe your self-worth is down in the gutter, Jesus says, pray, ask the father, deliver us from evil because that temptation to always put yourself down, that temptation to always kind of throw off when people are kind or good or or to not receive love and acceptance, to reject before you are rejected, all that stuff, it's temptation. It's the work of the evil one. He wants to keep us corralled and imprisoned. He wants to keep us broken. He wants to keep us not who we're supposed to be. And some of you, you're working in in office environments and you just think, you know, it's it's a challenging culture, it's a harsh culture, it's not a godly culture. And I can't do a single thing about it. I just get swept up in that. And every time you fail and every time you give in to temptation, you're becoming more like that culture around. We're all swimming in sewage and we're ingesting it, imbibing it, and we're becoming polluted and poisoned by it. But God says, I can deliver you from that. You could pray. You could pray a prayer. You could pray a prayer on a daily basis. God, help me in the environments that I'm about to go in. What's the difference between a prayer of confession, which is part four in the prayer, and a spiritual warfare prayer, which is part five that we're doing right now? What's the difference? What's easy? When you pray confession, that's praying about the sin that you have already committed and doing some kind of soul searching and, and laundry, uh, spiritual spring cleaning of the soul. But when we pray the spiritual warfare prayer, we're praying forward about the sin that we don't want to be trapped and ensnared by again some of you you find yourself in situations circumstances all the time and you just know oh i i whoops i did it again i got into that place i was with that person i was in that environment i had that to drink or whatever it may be and i regret it and i feel bad about it but i i just don't seem to have the resources and so i pray a prayer of confession great wonderful brilliant but jesus says God wants to deliver you. He wants to rescue you. He wants to pull you out of that prison. He wants to bring you into who you're supposed to be. So ahead of time, you pray. I have times every day when I pray and I look at the day that I've got and I know that I'm weak and I'm vulnerable in certain areas and I pray, dear God, deliver me from the evil one in this situation. Help me ahead of time. And sometimes, I find God really helps and sometimes I don't let him and I slip up and I fail, but I'm looking each day to become more and more like Christ. So when we pray, you pray the Lord's Prayer. If you wanna pray for 10 minutes, you take two minutes of adoration, just centering yourself around God. Again, look at the Metro Mentoring app. We've got this whole prayer course with practical easy steps to to lead you through it. But you start off a couple minutes of adoration, adoring God, getting your head straight, A couple of minutes of intercession, praying for the needs of the world at large. A couple of minutes of petition, actually praying that God would uh, help you. God wants to help you. He loves to be close to you. He absolutely is right there. The moment that you reach out, he wants nothing more than to put his arms around you and to provide you with what you need to take care of you. To come to that vulnerable point of confession, two minutes. But if you take two minutes... To engage in spiritual warfare, you're thinking ahead. Where am I going? Where am I vulnerable? Here's, just as we finish, here's three ways that we can do this. Think of them as concentric circles. So the first circle would be my heart. So if you think about your day, you think about your heart. So I'm praying, and I pray about my heart. Where am I vulnerable? What are my kind of trigger points? Do you struggle with pornography? Do you struggle with a bad temper? Do you ever smash glasses and you heard my stories like, no big deal. I do that three times before breakfast. What is in your heart? What is the issue? Where are you vulnerable? What are the things that always trip you up again and again and again? That that stuff that you just can't seem to break free of, those negative, dysfunctional thought patterns, those behavioral patterns. So I pray about those things. I pray, God, give me strength. God, deliver me. God, I don't want to be this person. I want to grow towards your vision of me. And then you move from my hearts to my relationships. You know that there are certain people who bring out the worst in you. Maybe it's an antagonistic thing. Maybe it's a flatmate. Maybe it is a family member. Woo! Oh my goodness, daddy issues. We have them coming out of our ears, don't we? But you have a a relationship, a person, maybe it's someone at work that you just butt uh, heads with, someone that you you just really struggle with and they bring out the worst. Well, you pray, Lord God, would your Holy Spirit be the most important, the most influential person in my life? Not everybody else. Or or it may be that there's someone that actually uh, encourages you, entices you, into stuff. You know, you, you have certain people that uh, you, it's not that you don't get on with them, it's that you really do get on with them, but they lead you down a path that you think, actually, this is not compatible with the way of Christ. And so it doesn't mean I cut off that person, I sever myself from them, I'm just going to be a, a holy Christian on myself in a hole. No, you pray, dear God, with this relationship, let the love of God And let the power of the Spirit flow from me to them, rather than me being influenced by the things that are influencing them. I don't want to be a slave, uh, influenced by other slaves. I want to be bringing people out into the light. And then finally, the biggest circle is my situation. So we all have challenges You know, some of you, you just have this thing. Whenever I'm in a particular situation, whether it's a club or whether it's a family gathering or whatever it may be, I always mess up. I always break that. I always get into trouble in these areas. Well, pray about it. I know certain things in my life, and particularly if I'm tired, there's certain areas I just have to pray. Dear God, I know I'm going into this lion's den. I know that the enemy often kicks me when I'm in this situation would you deliver me I'm praying ahead of time I don't want to get into trouble I want you to deliver me from the evil one when we pray it's so important that we're developing a closeness with the father with the spirit with the son if you don't know Jesus if you're not sure about faith and a lot of this is just washed over you all you need to know is that God loves you so much and he has a plan for you and a desire for you to be the best that you could be, the, the, the best self that you know deep down inside that you want to be. And God longs to put his arms around you. He longs to come alongside you. He longs to draw you in to relationship with him and to ignite you with the power of heaven. And For those of us that are following Jesus and looking to go deeper in our relationship with Jesus, we pray and that's why we pray. We pray so that we can know God. We pray so that we can be intimate and close with him, to adore him, to intercede for his world, to be conduits for his will, to humbly entrust Ask for him to take care of the needs that we have, to be vulnerable and open, to do that soul surgery, and then to engage with his help, his power, his deliverance. And as we live this kind of spiritual disciplined life, we begin to grow in the things of God, and that's what God wants for us. We're going to go into a time of worship, but what I would like us to do is I'd like us to have a time of prayer. And I'd like us to think about one thing in our life where you know, actually, this is an area of temptation that I fall into again and again and again and again. And this is not to put shame on ourselves, quite the opposite. This is to get shame off of ourselves because it's not God's plan for your life. It's not God's will for your life. It's not God's purpose for your life. But I want you to think about one area of temptation where... It may be you get triggered and you just go down a certain route. It may be that you've had lifelong issues that you just can't get a hold of. Honestly, many of you here and many watching online, it's, it's negative self-talk. It's negative low self-image. And actually, that's not to say it's your fault, but it's to say that you're being tempted into a cycle of just distorting what God has put in your life. And you can be free. You can be delivered. You can have a fresh start. So I want you to think about that temptation, whether it's around your sexuality, your morality, whether it's around a kind of... feeling like you, you've got to control everything yourself or you, you don't feel like you can give financially because you, you're controlled by money, you fear that you're going to be without, you're always on edge. Uh, whatever it may be, um, for some of you, yeah, it's, it's a kind of the, the good old classics, uh, money, sex, power, and pornography, uh, alcohol, addiction. These things God wants to break and we mention them so that God can deal with them. But what I want you to do is I want you to, in your mind, I want you to hold this thing. And I'm going to give you a little bit of moment to be quiet. So right now, let's just close our eyes, bow our heads.